Mark here from Mark 2.0. Brian is my co-host. We are thrilled to have writer, director, producer, actor, Robert X. Golfin on the podcast. Welcome, Robert. I want to start Thank off Thank you for by being here. Yeah. I want to start Thank off Thank you for by... having me, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here. And shout out to Ron Blake for making the connection. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Ron. Well, take us on that journey to when you first decided to get into the film and TV industry. Well, it's an interesting thing. My mom really exposed me to the arts when I was very, very young. And I didn't know at that time that that's what I would end up having a passion for. But she put me in modeling troops and I was doing commercials when I was probably about five or six years old. But it wasn't until I turned 12 that I realized that this was my passion. Before that, I wanted to be a doctor and a lawyer. So, and, and I still, I always say I still have legal ambitions, but at this point, I'd rather play one on TV than, than do all the work of law school. <laughs> Was that really your mom's idea? To, for me to, to be a lawyer? No, in the beginning to be in the acting and all that. Well, uh, no, not necessarily. I just think that she wanted me to be introduced to, to everything I possibly could. And, and, you know, she wanted me to find my way, but she is an artist in her own right. She's a dynamite writer. I get all my writing talent from her. So it was already kind of in the blood that I would do something in the arts. Where and, was she born? Sorry? Where was, Where she, was born? she born? Your parents? She was born in, 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 in our shared hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Awesome. Your dad, too? He was, yes. Hmm. He was very supportive of all this, uh, things you different things you wanted to do. My entire family was always supportive of me going into the arts. Uh, my 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 father passed a few years ago, but he was very, um, you know, supportive of what I did, and my grandfather as well. And in fact, when I was twelve, I begged my grandfather to let me borrow his video camera, oh. and so I took the video camera and shot this werewolf movie with all the neighborhood kids, and it was it was crazy. I, I look back on the on the film and and have a lot of laughs, but I was I was very serious about what I was doing. But it wasn't until I turned fourteen that I did my first serious film project and uh and and that was a film called stricken which is about teenagers dealing with aids and hiv wow I, I Talk always, a little bit about that i mean yeah that whole experience dealt, yeah i mean i always dealt with really you know hot button hardcore issues yes you have to entertain but i tend to do a lot of stories that have something to say and make people think differently and provoke people uh, it's just naturally, it's innately part of, of who I am and, and what I do. And that all started when I was a kid. But I wrote the script. It was a short film. I wrote the script, I think, when I was 13, shot it when I was 14. And then the second project that I did was about a group of kids trying to shut down a tobacco company after their health teacher died of lung cancer. So I always just was really, really inspired to try to do projects that would help young people in particular, see things in a, in a different light and just make better choices in life. Not only that, it's like subjects no one really wants to touch. That's it. Taboo subjects, yeah. subjects that people don't want to talk about or are afraid to talk about. You know, it's it's just always been something that I'm that I'm drawn to. I, I, I don't set out to be controversial necessarily, but sometimes that happens. I did a I directed and wrote a short film several years ago called I Am Man, which was about uh, an athlete, a basketball player who alleges that he was raped by a woman. And obviously 
people have a lot of different opinions on whether something like that can happen, but it does happen every day, more often than people would know, because obviously those kind of crimes don't get reported as much. And when the film came out in film festivals, it just happened to coincide with the FBI amending its definition to include males as victims of, of rape. So, you know, I kind of was ahead of the, ahead of the pattern with it. Wow. That's fascinating. And thank you for taking on such hard hitting things for the community. It's really, uh, really noble thing to do. I'm sorry, Mark, you were going to ask him something. Go ahead. No, go right ahead. Yeah, we're good. Well, so uh, I was wondering about um, that's a great past. How old when you when you got into Dunbar Reed? About how old were we there? I was in my 20s, uh, mm. I guess. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this as, a, as an actor, I'm whatever age casting people and directors. I was going to say, you look really young. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, I'm not even going to guess. But, no, I, but I mean, go. if people, if people want to figure it out, it's, it's out there, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I only asked because I didn't want to go too far away from the timeline. You know, I kind of want to hear your life story, you know? So yeah. what happened between that and when you were like 17 or something like that, that's probably where we are now. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, and I'll just say really quickly, I actually booked The Great Debaters the year after I graduated undergrad. So it was an interesting experience. Talk about that. And, well, you know, I, I, I went to St. Augustine's University in Raleigh, North Carolina. I also did some undergrad semesters at Campbell University in Bowie's Creek. So I have ties to the Carolinas for many reasons, uh, for schooling. Uh, I launched a production company there at one point. We might talk a little bit more about that. And uh, I have family there as well. But I, St. Aug obviously is an HBCU. So when I booked The Great Debaters the year after that, you know, it was, it was kind of, I guess, serendipitous in a way that here I am, a product of an HBCU, and then I get to do a movie that is set at an HBCU at Wiley College. And so um, it was, it was, a, a big blessing in my life. Uh, I I happened to see Denzel Washington on the Oprah Winfrey show and he was talking about this magazine article. Uh, I, I don't remember the name of it. I think it was called The Great Debaters actually, but he was saying how he was going to turn it into a movie. So I'm looking at Oprah. I'm like, oh, I've got to be in this, in this project. So I sent my headshot and resume to the main casting director in Hollywood. And I said, well, you know, you never know. She probably won't respond, probably won't open it. I'm on the East Coast at this time. And, you know, you're not really taken seriously if you're on the opposite coast. Thankfully, it's a little bit different now. But uh, so I sent it, didn't hear anything back. And then out of the blue, I happened to hear from my agent who, my then agent who said, hey, can you be in North Carolina, I guess the next day to audition for The Great Debaters? I have no idea to this day if my sending my material to the main casting director had anything to do with it mm. because I actually read for the local casting director. But I think that when you, you know, when you, if, if you're a prayerful person like I am and, you know, talk about the law of attraction and all that, that you really can will some of this stuff to happen. So I went to North Carolina, read for the casting person. We did seven takes she really wanted to help me make sure I, I did my tape as, as well as it can be done. And then ultimately, I got a call back to go to Atlanta and read for Denzel personally. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow, that and is he, so cool. He and that casting person were the only people in the room. And I always say it was the best to this day, the best audition experience in my life. And not because mm. I feel like I went in there and killed it or anything, just because he really wanted me to do well. Wow. And as yeah. actors, we can walk into rooms all the time and they feel cold and uninviting and intimidating. That is not how Denzel does it. He probably felt your energy. I mean, I feel it. You know, you oh, went yeah. in there, you really wanted it. You know, that's probably really important. I mean, someone can just go in there and do it well. But if someone goes in there really wanting it, you know, that's the kind of guy I would choose. That's probably part of it, too. You know, just got a good energy there. Absolutely. And, and I remember uh, sitting in the lobby of the initial audition and, and another actor came in. She was very nervous. Uh, not the initial audition, the callback. And, and she was very nervous. And I said, you're going to do fine. He, he really wants you to, to do well. And I don't know if she actually got the part or not, but I just think that it is, as an actor's director myself, which is what Denzel is, he understands the, the process that an actor goes through. And it, it was very inspiring to me. And just, you know, a, a testament to how all people in this industry should be, whether you're a director, a producer, a casting person, I know you get busy, you have a lot going on, but take the moment if you can to try to make actors feel as, as comfortable as, as possible. It, it, it's really important. And that's really good advice. I mean, it's great for someone who's in there having to do that. That's really a good way to just settle yourself, settle your mind and just get into it and do it right. You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's, and it's interesting, you know, with that audition, with that callback with Denzel before I, before I even opened my mouth, I just like parted my lips. I was about to do the scene and, and he stopped me and said, don't do the Southern accent. I don't know how he knew I was going to do it. Maybe everybody was doing wow. it. He said, just, just be, be yourself and, 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 you know, just, just, just be you, be real. And so that's what I did. Wow. Wow. So maybe don't go looking to think, you know, exactly what they're looking for. You know, I mean, because not to cut you off, but I, in this industry, I think half the time, nobody knows what they're looking for. Uh, even good point. Looking, yeah. They don't know. That's a smart observation. I like that a lot. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you is how did you get into your writing and talk about your book a little bit? Well, writing is actually my first love. So I'm a nerd, but I consider myself to be a cool nerd. I was the kid that would go to school with a, a, thesaurus, a thesaurus or a dictionary in my back pocket, you know, the, the tiny kind. Yeah. I was always looking up words, and I still look up words all the time, just trying to learn new words and new meanings. And um, so I, you know, I was trying to read the newspaper upside down when I was two and three years wow. old. Um, I would read two books a week as a kid. And unfortunately, I don't read as many books as I used to because I'm, I tend to be reading more screenplays, but I'm trying to get back into reading more books uh, because they, you know, it's, it just takes me to all different kinds of worlds. And I, and I think books make you smarter, yeah. you know, uh, more knowledgeable. But I, I would write stories about princesses and princes and, you know, the typical stuff that kids do. And as I continued to mature, my stories got a little more mature and started dealing with more worldly issues. And it, it was just, you know, innately there. And again, because my mom was, is also a writer, 
I just was naturally inspired to mm -hmm. to write. And I'm I also was the kid who, you know, I I would go on strike, you know, like <laughs> with my family. Like I'm I'm I don't feel like I'm getting paid enough allowance. So I would have I would write down, you know, my list of demands, if you will. And anytime very I, dramatic. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would have a sign, you know, I'd be marching in the big Oh, it's great. <laughs> and uh anytime I had any kind of disagreement with my 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 family i would i would write a long note and i and i still do because i have always found it far easier to get my my thoughts across my emotions across by by writing and and so that's that's what i've always done yeah. and so um you know i actually wrote my first book when i was in undergrad and okay. i it was called uh confessions of an hbcu scholar abandoning adam and it was inspired by some of the experiences I went through in undergrad, but also experiences of friends and family and, and even complete strangers. Mm -hmm. But it was something that I had to get out of my system. I was, you know, people called me a, a sort of a, a rabble rouser in my undergrad years because I would fight for what I believed me and my fellow students uh, should be getting in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the college yeah. environment. And so I, I, kind of just spat the book out of me if that's a word and <laughs> and uh and put it out there but my latest book cold night oh you can't see it because of the yeah I, we it's see it still though yeah, yeah we'll uh, we'll get that out i'll uh, uh, put cold it in the video the cold night in a warm season i released it uh last year and it's in my opinion a far better book than the first one because obviously i'm more mature as a writer and i took more time with it. It's more of an artistic kind of psychological exploration of what a young graduate screenwriting student is going through in his life, trying to succeed, but also dealing with all sorts of issues related to insecurities, uh, mental health, physical health, uh, family, the whole nine. And I think any artist out there, anybody period, but, but specifically artists will be able to really relate to the book because this industry that the three of us are in is not for the faint of heart yeah. by any stretch. So I hope my book offers some inspiration and some help. It's a, it's a, it's a novella. It's fictional, but I think it'll, it'll help people think of things in a different light and see some of the mistakes that this character made. And maybe, you know, hopefully they won't make the same mistakes. Well, I, no wonder you did so well with that. And I mean, so you're actually really, really smart. I can see that right now. I mean, you're really well-spoken, very articulate, oh, very you. good. I mean, kids don't walk around with the sources, you know, very often, honestly. <laughs> so obviously you were really, a, really ahead of the curve. And man, that's really, really going to serve you well. So how long have you been writing? What That started really young too? So yeah, I would say that uh, that that I've been writing since four or five years old. But I, I guess in a, in a way that is completely conscious, I would say from eight on. Um, but, I, but I also, I should say that I grew up in a family full of teachers. And so that had a big impact on me. Education was always an important thing. So I, I always knew that I was going to go to college. I always knew that I would get my, my, uh, my, my undergrad degree. And then I made the decision that I wanted to pursue my master's. So I got my master's in screenwriting from Spalding University in, in Louisville, Kentucky. 
And I would love to have a doctorate, but at this point, I, I would prefer an honorary doctorate. I just don't want to do the work. <laughs> That's so awesome, though. I mean, you're intelligent. You don't need some piece of paper. I mean, you come from this amazing family tree and you were nurtured. That I mean, no wonder you're so awesome. So now you're even interviewing people on what's called RXG, right? Exclusives? Is that what it's called? Yeah, RXG exclusives. We started, so we're in the second season, but it's the kind of the fourth year. We started at the very end of 2019. We did a couple of test episodes. And then in 2020, we released, you know, the, the first of what I would say are the actual season episodes. But then the world stopped. And then I had to shift gears with the with the format. And it, originally it was a very correspondent heavy show and it became more of a intimate kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations between me and other artists, community people, change makers and so forth. But I think, you know, it kind of allowed me to talk to people from all walks of life, from all over the United States and abroad in a way that maybe I wouldn't have been able to do. <clears throat> with the original format. So I guess it sort of was a, a blessing in disguise, but RXG exclusives has picked up a few awards on the film festival circuit and it's continuing to grow. We're filming the, the last interviews of the season now. And uh, I just launched my own production company called Robert X Goffin Entertainment. And so now my company is taking over production of the show so if if there's a third season next year hopefully we're going to come back bigger and better with it i listen to you how can there not be a third no, season i, I mean uh, that is all so impressive so so i'm sure do you use this as a vehicle to tackle your tough issues or do you stay away is it more entertainment tell me no we've talked your about we we've talked about everything on the show from you know uh, race relations and particularly in season one it was it was obviously we were going through uh, the the protests and um, as well as obviously the pandemic which is still going on um, so that it was a very heavy season one season two has focused more on the the rebound and how creatives and change makers and community people are, are figuring out how to how to go on, how to remain creative, how to remain productive, how to deal with mental and physical health. Um, and, and so it's, you know, the, 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 the conversations are continuing to grow. And I, and I have a very strong feeling that if we do a season three, the, the whole gate is going to be open in terms of the type of guests that come on the show, because there are a lot of folks that I would like to talk to uh, that are in different areas, different professions that up to this point, we haven't had yet as guests. It, it tends to be sort of artist heavy just because a lot of my colleagues, acquaintances, and 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 friends happen to be in the arts. But I think that um, we're, we're definitely, like I said, there's a season three, we're definitely going to expand. Wow, that's that's really awesome. So, so uh, you said all of this, you know, stuff. Uh, how did that really, all this stuff that you're tackling, affect philadelphia you're i mean you're from philadelphia and so how was philadelphia before and then all those protests and stuff and how is it now i mean i'm from phoenix and even me and mark went down there and it was you know we we 
shot a lot of footage of it all shut down and stuff like that and you know and 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 the empty malls and all that stuff what what happened to you out there philadelphia really went through it during the protests there were there was a, a, a lot of anger a lot of hurt a lot of sadness a lot of resentment which led to many of protests particularly in 2020 and and some in 2021 um, and and also there was again a lot of pain and and destruction and of, of property and uh, there was there were a lot of debates about Confederate statues and mm. uh, you know people that have you know statues or or monument type things dedicated to them that are questionable in nature and so. I just looked at a, a city that was terribly in pain during that time. And while the pain hasn't gone away in Philly or any city for that matter, obviously the protests are not happening as they were then. And I think obviously the pandemic probably uh, as, as devastating as the pandemic was because everybody was kind of shut down, they were able to, to really be out in the streets and, and, and protesting and marching and, something that they couldn't do if, if everybody had to be at work, you know? Uh, but n now those issues still haven't gone away, but Philadelphia is going through some other things right now. There's a lot of violence happening in the city. The, the violence is, is on an uptick in, in mm. Philly, as it is in Los Angeles, as it is in Chicago. Uh, I hear Atlanta's having some issues too, but particularly in Philly, a lot more carjackings, a lot more, murders it's 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 a scary and sad situation and for a city that has brotherly love in its title and sisterly affection i truly hope that it gets better really soon yeah bless your heart i stay safe out there and i'm sure we find a way through everything we'll figure it out yeah we'll yeah, figure it out together we will we'll get it we'll get it done together in yeah. in the long run i know it i know it in my heart and I think also, gentlemen, that the arts can play a huge role in that, yeah. uh, whether it's narrative based or documentary based. I, I think if people who are, are in these communities specifically that are that are hurting in a major way, they're able to just talk and get their feelings out. I think it's helpful. You know, we have to we, we all have to keep talking about it and we all need allies. And, you know, it's not just people of color, it's uh, Native Americans, it's the LGBT community, you know, it's everybody. We all, we're all in this together. And that's kind of like your early work, you know, you took on the tough things and I'm sure that your art is going to be helping heal wounds and, um, you know, keep going forward. And, you know, and I know if you stay positive and you keep doing positive, it'll come back to you. It'll well, come back to us all. Like you were saying, the law of attraction, you hit it right on the, right on the money. Law there. of attraction, the quantum field. I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, which do you like best? Writing, directing, acting, producing? That is the million dollar question. Uh, well, I'll, I'll put it like this. I it, it truly is like asking which, I don't have children, but which child I like the best. Oh, but yeah. I will say that writing, you know, from a creative standpoint, from an artistic standpoint, writing will always be my first love. Mm -hmm. And if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, it would be writing because that allows me to create 
characters, worlds, situations, and you know, that's what 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 better thing is there to be able to write and 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 get your your feelings out yeah. uh, through through different characters and, and situations. But I but I love acting. I truly have a passion for acting that is voracious, as I do for writing and directing as well. You got a great big heart and a big imagination. Your heart seems to be a very big place. And uh, it's really awesome to listen to you speak because you have so many ideas. You know, I'm, I hope this third season happens because I, I, I'd like to see that. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and kudos to you guys on, on this show. I, you guys talk to some amazing people in the industry. Well, yourself are, included, of course. Yeah. Oh, this is unreal. I, this is a treat for us. We have gotten so many amazing people. It's just, yes, I'm quite honored to have you and all of our past guests. Thank you again for being here. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So let me give you a, just a random question. Let's say you were going to make something, you were going to write something. Would you rather write like a big New York Times bestseller or maybe a box office blockbuster or maybe a tv series that ran for years i don't I know if you like had to, to i would like to do all of those things that is the I, correct answer yes yes i but if you I, could only do one what would it be it would be well uh, you know, let me let me say this when i started out making films at 14 and 15 years old filmmaking you know making movies was like the thing for me, you know, for many, many years. When I got to grad school, that's when I realized, and, and even I had, you know, I even had a professor who, who solidified this for me. He said, you know, you need to be creating for television. And I realized that while I love making movies and, and if people want to work with me on making films, you know, I, I've written feature-length screenplays and TV pilots and all of that. It is the television arena that I think is so amazing right now. Whether oh, look it's what it's become. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's better than movies. Yeah. Yeah. It really I mean, is. Yeah. The, the TV industry is just booming. It is It is like the new, I don't know what you call it, the new golden era or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, movies 2.0 or something. Yeah. But I've seen so, I, I think the thing that makes it challenging is, that there are 15 million streaming services. So yeah, it's a good it's, point. Yeah. You're kind of inundated with, well, where do I go? What do I watch? What do I put in my queue? You know, what, what is it? Netflix? Is it prime? Is it HBO max? Is it this? Is it that? But I think it also allows for so many different artists to get their messages and their art across because there are so many stories to tell it's endless. And I think that having all these streaming services allows new stories to be told instead of constantly recycling project. Oh, yeah. at the I'm not going to mention any names. No, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. There are a million different superheroes and villains. Why do we need to keep seeing the same exact ones all the time? Yes. I understand box office and knowing what's tried and true in terms of what. Or redoing movies before. too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you don't even really need anybody anymore. If you have good content, you can make money. I mean, that's the beauty of this whole thing. I mean, hopefully you'll get on Amazon and Netflix and all those big streaming platforms. You know, the cool thing about it is now it's like the old TV shows didn't look good. Now they look great. Yeah. So it's like a 10 hour movie you're in, you know, and so, but the good thing about that is also with all these streaming things, you can be supported by your friends and fans, you know, just by making some good stuff. You're a genius. You're just going to go anywhere you, you really want are, yeah. and do anywhere what you want. And you're never going to worry about money. Never. Obviously. I mean, I just talking to you, I can just see how smart you are, but other people, you know, they just, they, you know, they just want to do one thing, you know, and, and they, I believe they can do it. If maybe they go in with the drive you had trying to get that part, you know, and they just go in wanting it like that. That's enough these days. And uh, I think that's well, the beauty of the whole thing. From your lips to God's ears on mm -hmm. all that. And I, and I, as I, I will mention, I do have a, a feature film that I directed called Freshman Friday, which actually is on Amazon Prime. And oh, uh, I didn't write it. I just directed it. But it was shot at my alma mater, St. Augustine's University. Uh, it was released in 2020. And quick story, the, the writer and star of it, Stephen Slates, we went to school with each other. He said to me one day, I'm going to come back and we're going to make a movie together. And he kept his word many, 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 many years later. Yeah. And so we shot it several years ago. It took a while for them to get through post on it. You know, nobody knew if it was ever going to be released, but it was. But yes, I, I tell artists all the time that you have to recognize your own value and your own worth. And when you look in the mirror, you have to have an insane amount of confidence. And yes, I personally believe that you do need ego to be in this business, but ego doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's not about thinking you're better than other people. It's just about knowing what you bring to the table. And if you always approach it, from that standpoint, then when you walk into a room, you know that you belong there, despite whoever else is in that room. There could be the, you know, everybody in the room could be A-list talent, studio owners, or what have you. You belong there. you got to believe that you belong there. The minute you approach it from the standpoint of, well, I'm just little old me and little old town, little old ideas, that's how people are going to treat you. I mean, you need to be confident. You don't have to be narcissistic, but you can right. really go in there going, yeah, this, this is my part. I, yeah, that, that's probably the best advice you can give anybody going into a table full of, uh, you know, suits and ties or whatever they wear in there. I really don't know. And for those people that maybe want to be actors and, and directors and, and writers, I, you know, I, I saw a film producer the other day posted online something that I have said ever since I was a kid, which is stop calling yourself an aspiring actor or an aspiring filmmaker. Just do it. You don't need money to make a film. Yes, if you want to make a film with certain kinds of equipment or you want to bring certain people into the fold, you, you'll need you know, a certain kind of funding for that. But if you're just starting out, grab your, your iPhone or your Android or your tablet, your DSLR, grab some friends, Get out there, make your film. It takes nothing for you to sit down and, and, and type on a computer or write on a notebook if you want to write a script. But stop calling yourself aspiring. And if other people in the industry call you an aspiring this, that, or the third, don't accept that. Know your worth. All right, give me a quick scenario right off the top of your head. What's your first film and who stars in it? 
my, my first film that I ever made. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no. What's going to be your first blockbuster? Oh, my first going to star in it. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah. God, I you just know. got approached by Amazon in a big uh, way. And they dump, they drove a dump truck full of money up to your door <laughs> and they want results. You know, honestly, it would be easy for me to say that I, I want Denzel and Viola Davis and, you know, uh, uh, Tom Hanks and, and people like that. But I actually am really energized by some of the, the, the younger talent, uh, like Corey Hardrick from from uh, All American Homecoming. Mm -hmm. I've always really admired his work as an actor. And, uh, you know, oh, gosh, there are so many. The, the list is endless. Uh, but you would tend to take the newer talent and push them into the spotlight. Yeah, because I think I think that th there's so much talent out there that is untapped or untapped in a way that really showcases what they can do myself included that's <laughs> um, cool but, i like, I like you know, it i really uh, do but I'm, I'm so like i'm so inspired by a, a lot of these performances denzel whitaker who who starred in the great debaters is another person you know mm -hmm. it's just a lot of uh, a lot of uh actors out there my, my list would be a book long it really would yeah it's great well, let, let me go back to the TV shows. Growing up, did you ha have any favorite TV shows? Because as one thing, it, it evolved to the streaming platforms and everything today. But it seems like back in the 80s, there were so many hard topic inspiring uh, episodes back in the day, whether it be an episode of Family Ties or Different World, you name it. Yeah, well, you know. Growing up, uh, and some of these shows I, I, I would see in reruns later because I was, I was too young or whatever, or, or not sure. here. But um, I, A Different World obviously made a significant impact on me. I never knew watching that show that I would end up the product of an HBCU, but I always loved uh, A Different World and, and, and still do. You know, I, I'm one of those folks who have wanted them to do a reboot of that for years. They just, to this point, haven't had a chance to, you know, make it happen. Um, but shows like that, um, you know, uh, Doogie Howser, I, I oh, love that. that's another one, yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I would watch reruns and um, programs that my grandfather was a huge fan of. I, I would watch uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. That was oh, me and yeah. my grandfather's, that was our show. Yeah, <laughs> my dad and I used to watch that. Um, loved that show and, and, you know, Mike Hammer and, uh, Remington Steel. I mean, these are some of the old classics. Sure. Um, and, and then of course, you know, reruns of shows like Good Times, which I think was so ahead of its time. Um, you know, when I, when I look back on those episodes, I'm thinking, wow, that was done in the, in the, in the seventies or this show was done in the eighties. Uh, you know, um. Oh, goodness. Uh, All in the Family, the, just the issues they were talking oh, yeah. about. Uh, the show Rock, I don't know if you ever saw that yeah, show. Yeah, I do remember that on Fox. Yeah, those shows had a, a real significant impact on me. And then, you know, then also it's it's not always about the message-oriented movies and TV shows. I was, a um, you know, a, an avid viewer of, of Power Rangers, <laughs> you know, and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, I mean, really, my my... My palette is uh, is just really eclectic. I, I, I love projects from all walks of life, but I am very partial to uh, dramas. Mm -hmm. I, I like okay. comedies, yeah. but dramas, sure. that's my thing. That's, that's my world. 
That's great. Like in your earlier work, again, I mean, it just kind of reflected there. You took on things that were serious and meaningful. Yeah. 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 Now, when did you first become a SAG actor? So that's an interesting story. So when I did all those commercials as a kid, you know, I, I did commercials like uh, Philadelphia Gasworks and the in the library. And I think I, I think I did like a, a regional McDonald's commercial or something like that, but I don't have that. I don't have that footage, unfortunately, but I did the projects. And at that time I was uh, Taft Hartley, I believe. Mm, yeah, and, okay. but I didn't join as a kid. And explain I, to people what Taft Hartley means. So if you do a certain, well, so I, I don't know how it is now. I know the rules have sort of changed uh, because there was a time period where so much new media was being done that it was a little bit easier, arguably, to get into the union. And now I think there are, uh, you know, a few more restrictions put on it. But when you when you worked either as a principal performer in a certain number of projects or as a background performer in a certain number of projects, then you would get essentially wavered um, into being able to join the union if, if you elected to. But in joining the union, you have to pay a fee. I don't know what it is now. I think it was maybe like 2000 and something at that time. Yeah, I think uh, a few years back, it was like 3000 when I was in L.A. Okay, okay. And and so I, I, I always had the invite to join. And so then I was supposed to be a, a background actor in uh, the movie Unbreakable. And which was uh, Shyamalan, of course. And so I went and got fitted for my my costume. This is this was really before I I did acting in, in some of my own projects, especially as a kid, out of necessity. Yeah. So I didn't really have a passion for acting at that time. Sometimes it was just based on the fact that I had an actor fall out, or I really wasn't taken with what an actor was doing. Um, so in in doing some background work. You know, the first film I did background work on was 12 Monkeys, which was Bruce Willis's movie. And it was more so at that time about me just getting on a set and being able to watch how things work. And so the same thing happened with Unbreakable. But then I got a call from production like a day or two before I was supposed to go to set. And they said, so you're a must join which means if you want to actually work on this project, you have to join the union. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking at my mom and, and you know, I'm like, well, I have to pay $2,000 to be a background actor. <laughs> and so I said, I, I'm going to, you know, as much as I would love to be on a Shyamalan set, I'm going to have to let this, this opportunity go. And so I, I didn't do it. And I was, you know, I continued to be able to do non-union projects up until 2004 when I booked a role on an episode of HBO's The Wire. Well, at that point, I couldn't say no. And it was a speaking role. So oh, yeah. I joined and, uh, and and that's how that came to be. So I've been a card-carrying member of the Screen Actors Guild since 04. Wow. Nice. Impressive. You've had so That's much sure. training too. Didn't you go to 
what is that called? The Philadelphia High School for Creative and Performing Arts. Yes, I am a creative writing alum. Wait, I had that option? Wait, you went to a different kind of high school? What was that? So it, it is a public school in Philadelphia, but it really does not feel like one. And I guess it kind of doesn't operate like one because everybody in the school is in a different major. So you have your writing majors, your, mm. I think now they have TV and film majors at the time. They had a TV and film department, but I don't think it was an individual major, but writers, dancers, actors, visual artists, um, singers, vocalists. And that is the main concentration. You still do your regular math and sciences and all of that, but it, it was a very special and specialized school. And uh, yeah, I was very blessed to be uh, a student at that institution. It was not an easy school to get into. I was just gonna, that was my next question. Is that How something that's are... similar to like the TV show and movie Fame? Yes, yes. Okay, it's, it's there really we go. Philadelphia's version of of, of New York's oh. performing arts high school. Absolutely. How many schools are like are there like that, guys? Well, I think it's growing, and actually, Philadelphia has two performing arts high schools. There's another one in Philadelphia, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, the name escapes me, but but Kappa, and you know, my Kappa in Philly is the you know, the, 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 I guess the number one, uh, creative based high school in the city. I think my kid would love that. I think, I'll, but it's hard to get in. What do you got to do? You, you actually have to go and, and audition with, with Kappa. Hmm. I went in and, you know, because I was a writing major, I had to sit and write essays and, uh, you know, creative writing assignments in like a, kind of like a test structure and in a certain allotted time. And you didn't have any heads up notice on what the topics or anything would be. You just had to sit there in the classroom and do it and hope that what you wrote, uh, they, they, they saw something in. And so for me, that, that was the case. But I actually didn't start Kappa until my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So my freshman year of high school, I, I went somewhere else. They're smart, though. They don't give you any heads up, any way to do anything. They just hit you with whatever they want to hit you with, and that's that. I like that. You have to prove yourself. Yeah, yeah, without preparing. I like that a lot. But just because you don't get in doesn't mean that you don't belong there. Yeah. Mm. You know, I had film schools that I applied to, one in particular that shall remain nameless, yeah. um, Pardon, I think, I think there's some kind of speaker system. Um, I had a, um, uh, a a film school that I wanted to attend. I'm not going to say the name of it, but I tried to get into that school twice, and they didn't accept me because mm. math was always a very difficult subject for me. And oh, okay. uh, that was the reason that they didn't let me in. Mm. And, and it's like, you know, the, so they the third time they said, well, come on and try again. And I said, I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, I, I made the decision that if they did not see the value in bringing me in, it just wasn't the place for me. Smart. So don't get discouraged. Yeah, you uh, just kept found a better fit, and that was that. Good job. You'll you'll find your way. You'll find. Yeah. Your way. So, are you working predominantly on the East Coast, or do you also go to LA? I am actually all over the place. Uh, now, nice. since the pandemic, it has been a little more compact. I've been 
in my hometown of Philadelphia a lot more, obviously, because production is kind of slowed down, but it's it's starting to pick back up uh, from, from what I can see. Uh, but I, I, and I've lived in LA, I've lived in the Carolinas, you know, I just go where the potential opportunities are. I go where the work is. Um, but Philadelphia, North Carolina, and LA have been, uh, and South Carolina to some extent, have been like yeah. my hubs. Right. I, I, I went, as I said, I went to undergrad in North Carolina, and I also co-founded a production company in North Carolina in a small town called Wilson many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we produced several award-winning films, EPKs, uh, commercials, that sort of thing. And now, you know, I, like I said, I have my own company and so I'll be doing my own projects. But yeah, I think that um, one, one market that I have not penetrated is Atlanta. But Atlanta mm. it continues to be a very hot yeah. market. Yeah, what about, what about Vancouver? Up. Have you ever worked in I have. I have not worked in Canada, and that too is is a very hot market. Uh, even New Orleans has a lot of production. Oh yeah, NCIS New Orleans, and there's some other projects too. Yeah, you're right. I haven't, you know, I've only been to New Orleans once, and that was actually when I shot The Great Debaters. We, you know, we okay. filmed some in New Orleans and some in Texas. You have so many accomplishments, and you're so young. Do you even That's think about five you. years from now at all? I have so much more that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. And, you there know, you most go. of my work has been in the independent arena. Uh, I, I hope to do a lot more mainstream uh, work, both in front of and behind the camera as as time progresses. But I will always have, regardless of what I'm doing, an independent spirit. It's just innately part of, of who I am. And I do not believe in waiting for the industry to give you an opportunity. I don't subscribe to that. Right. You've got to get out there and make your own stuff happen because no matter how talented you are, no one is obligated to give you an opportunity. You're not entitled. I'm not entitled to anything. Yes, it would be nice for people to recognize my talents and to say, hey, come on in, you know, let's let's work on this. But it, no one's obligated to do that. And well, I think I'm sure that, the next five years you'll get a lot of that. Oh well, uh, again, from your lips. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, what about your advice to people starting out? Would you would your advice be to them to uh, be all over the place like you to work on as much, be diverse, whether do writing, do acting, do producing, do all of it? I think that it's important to know where your greatest strengths are, particularly if you're just starting out. Um, Some people in this industry and just some people in society, period, will look at someone that's doing 15 million things and say, okay hold on, but so where are you? What, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? And they get confused by that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with someone being multi-talented. You should have your focus and you should, and you should know where your weaknesses and strengths are. But if you look at even the mainstream actors today, many of them have their own production companies because they're trying to develop projects for themselves and for other people. So you you have to be able to do more than one thing. And also, if you only do one thing, if that one thing that you do, you're in a dry spell, then what? So if, if you aren't 
if you aren't getting auditions or if you aren't booking or if you aren't able to work on student films or short films or features or TV or plays, if you're also a writer, you could be writing. There's, there's no excuse for an artist not to be doing something that is artistic because, you know, nothing can stop you from that. So I think you should have more than, than, than one thing, but just, just know what your, what your greatest strength is. Well, I know you prefer drama, but would you ever like do comedy just because, you know, hey, to keep yourself in there, you go audition for some comedy thing or something? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I have auditioned for comedies. I've, I've worked in, you know, some comedies in the past. Uh, for me, I would say that I am not a comedic writer. I have written some material that is that has some comedy in it because I think, you know, I personally, I think that some of the best dramas have comedy. You need some lighthearted moments to kind of, you know, take a breath <laughs> when you're watching mm -hmm. especially hardcore material. Um, and I've also, you know, I'm constantly trying to stretch myself as an artist in all ways. So I definitely want to expand my range in that department as both an actor and a, a writer and director. And in fact, my, my directorial feature debut freshman friday that's on amazon is a comedy again i didn't write it but i directed it and so that mm -hmm. was that was fun you what know, was that like i mean you were handed this thing and he uh, why did you just direct it i mean how did that come to be well like i said he he said we you know the, the a guy i went to school with steven slates he said he would come back and we'd work oh, on right something. so when he sent me his script and i read it i said oh wow this is this is hilarious and and it it is, like I said, set in the HBCU world, historically black colleges and universities about this young kid who is preparing for the first dance of uh, his freshman year and all the hijinks and, that he gets into with his, his friends. And, um, and, and there, you know, there's this, well, I don't want to give too much away, but That's there's cool. someone that captures his attention and uh, you have to watch the film to see what that's about. But I think everyone should find it entertaining, but particularly people that have either gone to an HBCU or understand the HBCU lifestyle will really be able to take to it. So I, I read it and I really connected to it. And some of the experiences or, or really all of the experiences that happened in it, I knew people in college who went through that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to do it. I had to do it. And it was, it, it was really a fun experience and was also kind of like a family reunion because we brought back people that we went to school with to act in the film and to crew on the film, in addition to talent from really all over the United States. What a rewarding thing. An old friend uh, has social value, brought all these people together. Wow, what a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, what about some of your most recent uh, projects? Tell us a little bit about them and when the ones that are not released yet are set to be released. So How to Tie a Tie, which is, oh, where's that? That one. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a short drama that is written and directed by a filmmaker out of West uh, Virginia and the Pittsburgh area named Sean Holmes. And it is a coming-of-age story about a high school student who's getting ready for his school dance and how his biological father, who I play, disowns him. Uh, because of 
his lifestyle, his mm. identity. And so it's a it's an LGBT drama and it is it's hard hitting, but it has a hopeful conclusion and and hopeful messages and it's making the it's been making the festival rounds all year and winning several awards i actually picked up a best supporting actor award on the festival circuit so that was a a pleasant surprise and right um, yeah you get a lot of awards <laughs> i know yeah well you know you know i i just am anytime an award or a nomination comes my way i'm just grateful that someone is is seeing my work i mean i, I don't do it for the awards but it's also it's always nice um but the but the film is is doing quite well and right now it is in the running at the peachtree village international film festival in atlanta which is an oscar qualifying festival so we'll see what happens uh it's uh people can vote for it online so if you go to my my social media you'll see links to how to how to vote for the film uh voting closes on october 31st uh but but that was a project that we shot uh, kind of around this time last year and so now to see the fruits of our labor it's 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 a beautiful thing i have another film called the good of man which you've had the director on tj harper oh yeah tj was great yeah. that film mm -hmm. comes out sometime next year i'm i'm waiting for the trailer to drop Hint, hint, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a true story based on a, um, a guy that's down on his luck dealing with uh, a store owner, and, and they're both at a crossroads. And, and I'll just leave it at that. But it was a very challenging role, and I look forward to seeing how all that pieces together. I recently shot a very brief role in a project called Exuvia, which is written and directed by Scott Burkhart, who was a writer on the hit NBC series, Smash. And that's a female-centered coming-of-age story. I don't know when that'll be released, but looking forward to that. And I was cast in a brief role in a feature film called American Zealot, which is a biopic about a Philadelphia civil rights leader named Cecil B. Moore. And we are due to start shooting, I believe, in a few weeks. The production's been pushed a few times because the director actually had a, uh, a heart attack not too long mm. ago. So oh. he's been recovering from that. So, you know, it's about his health first. So, Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what's happening. And, and like I said, my, my new company, Robert X. Goffin Entertainment, we're in the developmental phase of figuring out what our next or what our first projects will be. And I'm... I'm writing a lot, so just trying to get some some new scripts written and some older scripts revised. So I'm always doing something. Uh, not always the kind of busy that I want to be, but always busy in some way, shape, or form. Well, we'd like to help. I mean, when that thing comes out with TJ, maybe we can have a call. We can do another video and promote that for you. In fact, anything happens and you want to bring it out into the eye, public eye, we'd like to be a vehicle. For yeah. you to use so come on and you're always welcome we'll have another call whenever you want and just let us know absolutely i'm really excited about the stuff you're doing it's really meaningful. so am i you inspire us yeah as thank really you content so creators yeah thank you that's thank so you. great anything else you want to ask him mark no hey i really appreciate this robert this was you know quite a ride where you inspire so many people and hopefully this message will inspire others 
Well, that hour so. flew by. I mean, you have a lot to say and a Has lot it been to that tell. Long? No. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you are really uh, a good thinker, speaker, and be careful because whatever you want to do, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, if it's writing or directing, I'm sure that's going to fall right into your lap in the long run, no, no matter what road you go down. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, and this has been fantastic like i said i love what you guys are doing and thank you with my company and 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 all of the uh projects that we're thinking about developing trying to develop i look forward to seeing where the road takes me and and what kinds of artists companies and entities i'm able to collaborate with as well and i have no doubt that i will you guys are in the north carolina area correct no i am planning i'm gonna be there next year uh, we're okay. we're both in phoenix actually Oh, you're in Phoenix. Gotcha. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in mm -hmm. Wilmington next uh, April. Well, Arizona, you know, Arizona has a lot going on too, <laughs> in in film and, and TV. Um, but yeah, I uh, I just look forward to future collaborations with folks. So who knows? There might be something that we're all collaborating on. And yes, exactly. Yeah, we'd love to partner up with you. Whatever you want to yeah. do, let us know. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. so much. Yeah. Well, we love having you and we uh, hope you come back soon again. Uh, everybody like and subscribe and um, whatever information you want to give us, we'll have it down below for our viewers. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Gentlemen. Thanks a lot. Hey, have a wonderful night. It. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much.